One, two, three and to the four. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know about to rip shit up. With these two guys talking sports, you know it's gonna be a good day. This is Backdoor Sports with your hosts, Basilios and Trevor. Welcome in, folks, to another episode of the Backdoor Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Vasilios, and sitting right across me right now is my good buddy, Alex Woodward. What's going on, man? Not much. Good to be back. I wouldn't say not much, but well, a whole lot. <laughs> but not not much with me. That's fair. That's fair. But um, start off with uh, semi breaking news. This stuff broke about what, like nine hours ago now. Uh, just Marlon Humphrey, cornerback for the Ravens, arrested on a third degree robbery charge in Tuscaloosa, Alabama today, and it was over a fifteen dollar phone charger. Yeah, it, the main thing is it happened at like between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and nothing good happens after midnight. So no. you'd assume he's taking an Uber. So hence right there, three girls. One. Hence number one right there. He's he's taking an Uber and it's three o'clock in the morning. So he's probably drunk and he's with the two or three girls. I thought it was two. Okay, so, so good for him. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> he had three girls. He's drunk. He he's got three girls to impress. You know he's the star athlete in the car. He thinks that he can get away with stuff, and obviously he thought it was his phone charger. It didn't even fit his phone, so he was clearly obliterated, drunk, uh, just he, completely he inebriated. Yet. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll get more into that in a little bit. We have Stephanie Taylor of Tuscaloosa News. She's the crime reporter. She's going to be joining us in just a few minutes to break down that whole situation, so we can get a we can get a few. Uh, a good inside look at what's been going on going on in Tuscaloosa. As we know, um, Marlon Humphrey went to Alabama for college and played his college ball there. So why is he back there? Like you graduated, man. Like move on to bigger and better things. I guess he's still trying to pick up those hot dude. Alabama girls. But there's hot <laughs> girls everywhere, man. You don't have to go to a college campus for that. Hey, man. You know, once you're in the NFL, stay away from the frat houses. For real, man. Come Nothing on. good happens at a Friday. No. At least not when you're... Not when you're a star <laughs> athlete. you got everything to lose and nothing to gain. Absolutely. And uh, so Vince McMahon had an interesting announcement today. Yeah. The XFL. Oh, the back. Extreme Football League yeah. is back. They have, a ter- they have terrible music. Did you hear the promo music? I didn't hear the promo music. Uh, we'll have to pull that during the commercial break. It's, <laughs> okay. it's quite awful. But he's back. He might as well wear a Make America Great... Again, hat while he was doing it. Uh, players, are, it's mandatory for players to stand during the national anthem. Uh, there's no criminals allowed, so no Johnny Manziel, no Marlon Humphrey. If, if he gets released, <laughs> he, he can't go to the XFL. Damn. And uh, another thing that's interesting is they're relaunching it in 2020, and you know what ends in 2020? The collective bargaining agreement exactly. for the NFL. Yeah, he's he's a smart man. He's an opportunist. Uh, he's an opportunist. That's for sure. He's a very very uh, smart businessman. Yeah. I think, and for all for all the crap he's gotten into over the last over the last like decade or so, he still makes very smart business decisions. I'll give him that. But XFL, that's going to be fun. And I know a lot of people were like, the XFL should be about two people: Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim Tebow, he's cleared. He's he's got no yeah. criminal, uh, you know, history, and the only time he's going to kneel is to pray. So <laughs> I don't think he's gonna do it during the, the national anthem. Does Manziel have a criminal record? Yeah, does DUI. 
Yeah, right, 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 right. And there's allegations of hitting his girlfriend, too. That's which true. Which they dropped, but... So would Ezekiel Elliott be not allowed to play in the XFL? Uh, no, because he was never convicted of, any, convicted of anything. The NFL is the one that said he was guilty, not That's the courts. True. That's true. But <laughs> um, also Zeke, he's not going to the XFL. He's staying. He's going to make millions in the NFL. That the XFL is for those lower tier talent guys. Michael Cam- Michael Campanero might be in the XFL in twenty twenty. So in, <laughs> somebody in, like that. In, like, in like terms of like tiering, the, so the NFL is at the very top. It's like the pinnacle of of physical talent. So like then you have the Arena League. Does the XFL kind of hop hop over the Arena League, or does the Arena League kind of like stay a little bit better than the XFL? Uh, well, first of all, it depends on the networks because they don't have a network to broadcast their games yet. Originally, they stole NBC away from NFL uh, back in what was it the '90s when they first did this, and that was huge because they they took a major broadcast network and got their product on there. Obviously, it didn't work. But if they can get another major network like that, they easily jump over Arena Football League. But if they don't get a major broadcast network, they're probably about the same as Arena Football. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna. We're gonna. I, I don't know about you. I'm gonna watch the XFL. Yeah, how can you not? It, it seems like it's gonna be ridiculous. There's gonna be a lot of dirty hits. I hope he has insurance. <laughs> Vince McMahon's the owner of all eight teams. That's what he yeah. said today. So you know. The NFL had to shell out millions and millions and millions of dollars in insurance policies recently. And if you're going to keep going with that old old school football mentality, you know, crush people into the ground, you're going to have some lawsuits on your hands. And it's going to be pretty great, too, because he knows, uh, everybody knows it's not going to compete with the NFL. So that's going to take place in the off season of the NFL. So it's going to be like a spring thing, isn't it? Uh, it starts in January. So okay. it's going to start during the NFL playoffs. But I doubt they'll play during any of the NFL games, just because that's only detrimental to their own product. True. So I mean, is how did they say how long the uh, the game or how long the season is going to be for the XFL? Ten games. Ten games. Ten okay. games. Two playoff games. Championship game. That's not bad. It's going to definitely going to be interesting for that to kind of like bridge the gap between the end or bridge the gap between the Super Bowl and free agency and the draft starting. So it's going to be definitely going to be interesting to check out and. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit excited for it, to be completely honest They're with gonna you. They're going to skip halftime, too. There's not going to be any halftime. They Thank wanna, God! They want to make the game... They're shooting for two hours of the length of the game, which I'm, I'm all for, because mm-hmm. four hours is way too long for any sporting event. Football is the longest sporting event to watch, besides golf. And well, what about baseball? Baseball, I mean, it, it goes three hours, three and a half, four hours. If you go four hours, you're probably getting, getting into extra innings, or it's mm-hmm. a high-scoring game. I feel like on average it's probably about three. Well, I don't know. I mean, baseball you could you could, I guess it could be a high scoring game, but then at the same time you have uh, could just be having like foul just foul tips at every yeah I guess every I mean, at bat. That's <laughs> unlikely though. That's not that's not a high occurrence that happens. Yeah. Well, uh, joining us right now via the hey. the backdoor sports hotline is Stephanie Taylor of the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, how are you doing today, Steph? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So, uh, as we all know, Marlon Humphrey was was arrested, and there was a report filed on January 13th. Uh, and on the incident report, which I had sent to me today by by the University of Alabama, it says initially that there was a there was a fourth fourth degree. Uh, what was it? Um, dist- misdemeanor, Alex? Yeah. I think it was fourth degree theft and maybe harassment. Was that the other one? Yeah, and then uh, a lot of us heard today that it was it was uh, a third, third degree, degree robbery. robbery felony. Mm-hmm. Well, 
what would have happened then, and this is why they didn't arrest him that night or that morning, I guess, to be technical about it, but the um, obviously the police officer thought that it was only uh, theft or harassment. And I guess the Uber driver decided to push it further, and he went to the courthouse, it seems that he did, and visited a magistrate and told her everything that happened, and she decided to, um, to issue the robbery warrant. So... That's how that happened. He went and did a report with her, and um, she issued the warrant, and the cops had to go pick him up. Or oh, They didn't pick him up. I think they just said, hey, we've got a warrant for your arrest, and he turned himself in this morning. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's just weird because he's being charged with robbery, but to my understanding, he didn't actually steal the charger. The, the police got the charger back for the Uber driver, right? Right, right. I think you just have to either threatened to to take something from someone or he, he did have it in his possession for a few minutes it seems like um he had it he went into the lobby of the hotel um he and a woman were still in the lobby when the police officers got there um, the report i think y'all have seen that too says that the officers walked in and they said hey this is my phone cable and they said no it's not and then the cop eventually took it away from him and went and returned it to the Uber driver outside. So um, he did have it in his possession for at least a short amount of time. So this story kind of seems a little bit silly. Uh, obviously, it seems like alcohol was involved, you know, given the time of night. Uh, what are the chances yeah. that Humphrey actually faces any jail time? Oh, I think it's really unlikely. Um, things like this are usually settled before it even gets that far. Um, at my guess, and this is just my guess, is he'll, he'll plead to something, a lesser offense, maybe harassment or something like that. They'll work out a plea deal, and he, he won't have to serve any jail time for that. He may do community service or pay a fine or more than likely be on probation, which means if he does anything again, then he would have to go to jail. Um, yeah. So. So um, he may not get any jail time, but it seems pretty likely that he's going to get a suspension from the NFL, even if he is completely cleared or if he takes a low, if he gets a plea deal, like you mentioned. But uh, I know you talked to his attorney today, and his attorney had some things to say. And what what stood out to you most that his, uh, what his attorney said to you throughout the interview? Well, to me, it stood out. I suppose that he said he pointed out that no one was hurt. Um, and the thing, I asked him whether he did threaten him or, or ball his fists up, like the report says, and he said he didn't think that he did. Um, so that's, that, to me, that's the um, discrepancy there, I guess, the versions of, of what happened. So um, I guess what it really would come down to is whether the guy actually felt threatened by him. Um, because you can you can do a robbery charge on someone if you... If they threaten violence, they don't have to, to actually be violent <laughs> or anything. Um, so I, I'm, I'm guessing that was the magistrate's um, thinking when she issued the robbery uh, warrant against him. Obviously, Humphrey was drafted into the NFL last year. He's been out of Tuscaloosa for the past year. Is it common for former players to come back and party in the offseason? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, we had Reuben Foster was arrested um, maybe a week, two weeks ago, with um, weed in his car. I don't, I don't know the details on that. They didn't give me any police reports. Um, so he was obviously in town and uh, partying, or allegedly he was. So, <laughs> right. um, you know, a lot of people come back, come back to hang out. So I'm not going to be surprised if a lot of them do, especially this time of year when everybody's celebrating usually. <laughs> 
So, um, one more, one more question for you before we let you go, Steph. Uh, I know, I know this, uh, I received the, the incident report and it says that it was initially issued at our uh, January 13th of this year. And, uh, what, what took, what took 12 days to, to get to this point? We're at January 25th right now. And, uh, it's just it's surprising. Is it surprising that it took this long to to come, all come to a head, or is there like some sort of reason? Um, no, I think that's that's pretty normal uh, with this when you go through the procedure like that. Because I'm, I'm not sure what day the um, the driver went and had the warrant issued. Um, the cops probably gave him a couple of days to wire up and decide whether to turn himself in or not. Um, I assume they would have gone after him if if he didn't. Um, He's, they, they listed a Hoover address on the deposition, which I don't know if he was he's hanging out there these days or not. That's about an hour away from here. So, um, so I don't know. I, I don't think it's that unusual that it was it was that long. Talking to Stephanie Taylor of the Tuscaloosa News, uh, crime reporter. Uh, Steph, we want to thank you for your time. And sure, sure. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that you were able to give us tonight. Awesome. Thanks so much. No problem. Bye-bye. Thanks, Stephanie. Cool. So, I thought that brought a couple good, cool things to light there. Uh, it seems like Marlon Humphrey and his attorney are very confident where things are going to go. Now, uh, if you if you put, on, put your feet in Roger Goodell's shoes for a second, Alex, you probably don't want to. You sure I do. He makes millions of dollars. <laughs> but he just faces end- endless ridicule. Is the, is Dude, the money worth it? You pay me $100 million a year, I'll get crapped on all day. <laughs> That's fine. But So if you're in Roger Goodell's shoes, and we know how much he loves to play judge, jury, and executioner, how many games do you suspend Marlon Humphrey for, even if he's found acquitted? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think he'll probably get a game, and it'll probably get reduced to a fine. If you know, It's not domestic abuse. He didn't violate the league's substance abuse policy. He's probably drunk, but he wasn't driving, so it wasn't a DUI. So I, I think there's a real gray area there. I, I think a one-game suspension is max what he'll get. Yeah, I just when I when I first saw this, I just thought, this is really not what the Ravens need, man. Like you you had you had the Ray Rice incident a few years ago and then you had you had another thing pop up in the offseason for with Marlon Humphrey writing now, and that's what we were just talking about. I mean, then, then you had Matt Elam, uh, former safety for the Ravens, like was speeding, and he had weed and weapons in his car, like last off season. And I'm like, yeah. this it's just what, what's up with this? And I understand the Ravens have problems with drafting these guys with character issues, but it seems they end, these guys end up end up on their roster anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, every I didn't see anything any red flags about Marlon Humphrey's Neither character did I. before. Uh, like I said earlier, I think he was just kind of blackout drunk and didn't really notice the situation or realize, you know, what he was doing. Not making excuses for him. He's a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. He should not put him in that put himself in that situation. Uh, you can't blame the Ravens for it. No, I mean, it's just no. something stupid. Matt Elam was off the team when he got arrested. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Dixon, he keeps getting popped for PDs and weed and injuries. Uh, but I don't know. I, I mean. John Harbaugh came in with the mindset that he wanted to get the, the quote-unquote dogs out of the locker room and, you know, clean up the locker room. I don't think he's really done it too far. I mean, he's taken out the, that, you know, that aggressiveness. Yeah. Like, Steve Smith was, like, the last remnant of that type of player in that locker room. I don't think they have anybody in that locker room that really has that kind of tenacity 
or nastiness to them. I think it's just an isolated, dumb incident. Yeah, I think I think the Ravens, for the most part, when you talk about we talk about leadership and strong voices, they're pretty much declawed in that manner. So I mean, uh, I I don't know, man. It's just it seems like you 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 brought up. Kenneth Dixon, you have like Nick Boyle, you have uh, uh, Jimmy Smith, who's going to be suspended or suspended the first few games of next season when he comes back. Or true, I already forgot about that. Yeah, no, so, no, he served it already. You can serve it while you're injured. I yeah. thought I thought they put him on the injured reserve like the day after because I don't I don't think he served it yet. Okay, I, I got to look into that. I thought he served it while he was injured, but you might be right on that. Regardless, they've had they've had issues. But yeah, does, doesn't it frighten you though? Like if if say Humphrey is suspended for more than a game, right? Are you really going to rely on Brandon Carr as one of your starting corners? And then, I mean, you have Tavon Young coming back, but that's off an ACL injury, and it's just it's it's like the Ravens are in the same situation now that they were a few years ago when they made it to the playoffs, uh, like with with that sham, like the defense that was in shambles. You had Rashawn Melvin as your starting corner. Now you're going to start this next season off possibly without your top two corners and. It's it's just it's looking real bleak, and we're only like we're not even in the NFL offseason right. yet. Wake Martindale's got his work cut out for him in his first year. Definitely, and with that, we're gonna go for to our first break. When we come back, we're gonna have Tim Barbales, the producer of the Vinny and Haney Show on 105.7 The Fan. He's gonna join us, and we're gonna break down some stuff. He's gonna get a little free plug to talk about his and Alex's new podcast. So make sure you guys go check that out too. We'll tell you more about that when we return. episode of the Backdoor Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Vasilios, and sitting right across from me is Alex Woodward. And on the phone right now with us, the producer of the Vinny and Haney Show on 105.7 The Fan is Tim Barbalace. What's going on, Lanolin? What's up, Vasilios? Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into anything serious... I wanted to give you the the spot, you and Alex, the spotlight to uh, plug your show. Uh, I know you guys have been working diligently on that, so why don't you go right ahead? Yeah, man, we just uh, finished up our third episode. We just dropped it today. It's called The Other Guys because, you know, we're, we're the other guys at the station. We don't have our own show, but this is our own podcast, and 
we've had a lot of fun with it. We've definitely uh, been meshing pretty well. Um, we have a really funny segment called Desk Pops where you can really see our personalities uh, in our questions um, that don't always have to do with sports. But no, it, we have a good time. Check it out, the other guys on SoundCloud. All right, sounds legit. I've listened to uh, two of your episodes so far, and I like what I'm hearing. So, uh, yeah, everybody go check that out. I, it gets the official Vasilio stamp of approval. <laughs> Not that it really means much, but there you go. We appreciate <laughs> it. All right, so um, now that we got that out of the way, uh, why don't we talk about uh, let's get into the championship games. We haven't gathered here for a while, to, uh, so now we need to talk about the championship games and we NFL championship games, that is. Uh, I'm getting a little bit off track here. lost my train of thought for a second. But uh, <laughs> Patriots-Jaguars, it was fun to watch for the first half. And then, uh, yeah, you all know the story, what happened there. The Patriots ended up coming back. Tom Brady gets his uh, fifth 10-point comeback in the second half of any playoff game. So, I mean... Ah, dude, Tim, I want to get your info in, input on this first. What's your take with this game, man? It was tough because, you know, the Jags, they really couldn't have played them any better in that first half. They started the game off 6 of 11 on third down conversions. They were just playing keep away from Brady. They were just keeping him on the sidelines. They finished the 35 minutes of time of possession. And... When Miles Jack forced that fumble and recovered it uh, in the fourth quarter, I think it was like with 10 minutes left and it was still a 10-point game, you know, I, I said to my friend, I was like, maybe this is the night. Maybe this is the night the Patriots, you know, lose at home in the playoffs. But when they went three and out and then Brady went right down the field, I, I said to him, I've seen this happen way too many times to not know the outcome of this game. Brady's going to lead this fourth quarter comeback. You know, they were down by 10 scored the 14 points and just it was crazy it was a hell of a game though hell of a game i think it comes down to three things they didn't go for it uh with 55 seconds left in the first half with two timeouts they took a knee twice that was huge uh blake bortles was terrible in the second half Mm -hmm. he had he passed for only 68 yards and less than 50 percent completion percentage with a strip sack in the fourth quarter and thirdly, they didn't atta- they didn't attack the Patriots. They didn't send as much pressure as I thought they should have, especially when the Patriots were mounting that comeback. Specifically, third and eighteen. It's third and eighteen. You put some pressure on Brady because you need those guys. You need time to get those receivers down the field. And if he's got to rush the ball out of his hands, they don't have a chance of converting it. And that's the thing. AJ Boyer all day had been really playing really well against Brandon Cooks. And I guarantee you, you could have just you could have applied pressure to the receivers and Brady as well, and it would have things would have ended up badly. If you play close to the receiver, it gives them less of a chance to really break away, especially since the receivers on that play were crossing. Yeah. That's that's what happened. And if you like I said, you play them up close and the linebackers are athletic enough that it, even if they make a mistake, if they allow the catch, they can get back there and make the tackle. We see how fast Telvin Smith is, how fast Miles Jack is. I mean, all these guys were put in a position to succeed, and they just didn't. And, I mean, Gronk wasn't in the game, and Danny Amendola is the one that did most of the damage. So, And at the end of the game, you had that you had that defensive play, which was really awesome by Stephon Gilmore getting up in the air and getting his hand on that ball. And if Blake Bortles just put a little more air under it, we might be talking about something completely different right now. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the Jags, they, they 
played scared. Once they got up, they played not to lose. They were not attacking the rest of the game. You know, with the Patriots, you gotta you gotta play sixty minutes, the old adage and all that. But but really, you have to go for it. And Alex mentioned, you know, taking the knee, the two knees with fifty five seconds left in the game, and that was a killer. But the the big turning point in this game for me was the delay a game on uh, third and seven when Bortles completed a pass to Mercedes Lewis for the first down. It would have put them in field goal range. They would have uh, gone up uh, even even more on the Patriots. And really, after that play, he got sacked. The Jags were forced to punt, and then the Patriots ended up scoring that touchdown before the half, and that just gave them all the momentum going into the second half. Yeah, and the Patriots had to pull out all the stops. It's not like they just beat the Jags with their home, you know, casual offense. They had to pull out the trick plays. They had the triple pass backwards up to uh, Philip Dorsett. They had a flea flicker in there. Tom Brady, QB, sneaked it on second and two. I mean, they did everything. They pulled out everything in the playbook to, you know, expose that young Jaguars defense and hope that they make a mistake, and it worked. And that's why I can't pick against the Patriots going into Super Bowl 52. I just think they're too well coached. They've been there too many times. Uh, the Eagles are a nice story, but their fans are trash. I'm rooting for the Patriots. <laughs> well, see, my, my thing is, like, even with all those trick plays that you described, Alex, like the going for it on – or not going for it, but the flea flicker, the triple pass, and then the the QB sneak on second down, that was still one of the most vanilla offenses I've ever seen fielded by the New England Patriots. And the fact that the Jaguars, with all those defensive weapons, weren't even even if they were playing off, even if they were just trying not to lose, that defense is so good they, that that shouldn't have happened. That should not have happened. And I think the Jaguars should have won it. And I mean, all this aside, you still had that bullshit pass interference play against Brandon Cooks, which I like. Scott Garso says it best. It was a 50 50 uh, play. It was a 50 50 call by the ref, but I just I can't I can't get it through my head that that was not <coughs> excuse me that was not <laughs> catchable not catchable by any means of the imagination and he was it looked like he was going out of bounds. Boye pushed him initially, but it looked like he just walked out of bounds on his own volition, if you will. But ah, God! So you're buying into the referee conspiracy theory? No, I just think it was really <laughs> that one play that really screwed the Jags over. I mean, that's the one that shifted all the momentum in the game. Yeah, I mean, now, you could say me, that. To me, I was going to say with the Boye play, I, you see, I'm on the siding with, he did kind of ride him out of bounds. Maybe it was uncatchable, but they were hand fighting the whole way down. It, he kind of just rode with him out of bounds. But to me, you know, I'm not buying the ref's conspiracy theory, you know, that they, they lost because of the officiating. But one penalty against the Patriots in a game is a little you know, fishy to me. Uh, Boyer was saying that, uh, I think it was Amendola, um, head-butted Ramsey or something like that after a play. Just, I'd be willing to bet that there were some calls that were missed against Very rarely, if ever, are teams just called for one penalty, you know? Welcome to Foxborough, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, uh, Boomer Sizen was saying that in the home cooking during the halftime. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, and that's that's one thing I'm excited for for the Super Bowl. You'll never hear anybody say this, but I'm excited about the officiating because I love Gene Steratour. I think he's a fantastic ref, and I think uh, I mean he's he's everywhere, man. He also knows how to utilize the uh, index card. 
Correct. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I, I always run into Gene when I'm uh, when I'm uh, covering the Maryland Terrapins games because he he does a lot of college basketball in between the NFL games. So uh, he was he was refereeing. I, th- I can't remember which which game it was. I want to say it was uh, Iowa. I think it was Iowa, and I was I was there, and he was. Uh, I was talking to him a little bit. He seems like a very chill dude, but I think he does a very good. He's very good at what he does. I think he's miles ahead of of uh, Jerome Boger. When he wants to hey, you shut your mouth. <laughs> but um, before before we got to keep uh, cranking this out real quick because I know Tim is on a little bit of a uh, he's time. On a hot date. Yeah, he's got a hot date tonight with some uh, male uh, friends of his. But <laughs> 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 but um, so. Let's talk about the other side of the coin here. The Vikings, after going through the Eagles' defense like a hot knife through butter, that first possession of the game, the Vikings just, they died. They died after that pick six that Case Keenum threw and Patrick Robinson had it. And I'm just, I was just sitting there in complete shock during the game. I'm like, wow, so we're not going to have the home team in the Super Bowl this year. that's a bummer. So I was kind of I was kind of hoping for that too, and I think we all were. Yeah, and I thought that would have been very interesting considering the what what transpired for the New England Patriots <laughs> earlier in the game. And I think, uh, I mean, the Eagles look good, man. And I feel like Doug Peterson is putting Nick Foles in the best position to win. And if I, let me tell you, I know you're rooting for the Patriots, Alex, but God, I'm I'm doing my sign of the cross right now because like. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the Eagles, man. Their fans are a bunch of assholes, but in in no reality will I ever be able to root for Tom Brady. Um, that's that's the thing. That's the thing for me, man. And we were saying this on the podcast yesterday. It's just God, I I can't root for the Patriots either. I just hate them too much. I mean, eight Super Bowls in seventeen years. It's it, you know, it's the evil empire of sorts. You know, you can't bring yourself to root for them, but you're right. The Eagles fan base are a bunch of jerks, and you see all the videos of, you know, the Vikings fans on their trek to the stadium, and they're getting beers thrown at them. Full like beers! Full you know? beers! See, I like the one guy in that video, because he, he stood there, and he was catching the full beers and opening them <laughs> and drinking them. That's what I would have been doing. I wouldn't have been acting scared. but yeah, keep them coming. <laughs> Free beer! <laughs> But, <laughs> but see, uh, on the other you know, side of it, you, you guys can't root for the, Tom Brady. It's the, um, I yeah. I don't have a problem. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Tim. I'm not trying to step over you. <laughs> no, no, you're fine, man. You're fine. Uh, but, like, for me, like, what's one more championship for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Like, we've one already, too many. We've already ripped off the Band-Aid. They already have five. We're already used to, you know, this headline. Like, what's one more? It just cements his legacy even more. Maybe they retire after this. Maybe it just ends this misery. Like, if they lose, they're coming back next year and saying, we, we got one more in us. If they win this year, you know, that reported rift between them, that ESPN article between Bob Kraft, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, maybe if they win one more, they ride off into the sunset and they start off a new organization with a new head coach and a new quarterback. I doubt that happens, but I got to hope for that. <laughs> and also, Eagles fans... I work at a bar. I was telling Tim this yesterday. I see Philly fans all the time come in there, and they are the most obnoxious people, and they only get more obnoxious the more drunk they get. Oh, you, know, yeah. you know how long we're going to hear about this Super Bowl from Philly fans if they win? They couldn't well, win another Super Bowl in the rest of their existence, and they'll co- every year they'll talk about this. Well, every, every, time, every time, or if they win, though, 
I'm pretty sure Philadelphia itself will explode. Oh, burn to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked Tim last night. I said, well, "Who has? Which one has the bigger riot? If they win the Super Bowl or if they lose the Super Bowl? Equal size. <laughs> Equal size. I'm sorry because last last week's riot uh, after the NFC Championship game that was a pretty sizable riot. I mean, you had folks climbing the Crisco coated yeah. uh, street. It lamps was pretty mild though. It was it was less you know over the top than I thought it would be. It was more like a kumbaya type thing, if you will. Yeah, doing buggy on the rocky steps. It's very kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting on top of someone's car while he's like driving <laughs> you can see that yeah, so like just on top of a car and I was just watching the bonfires like shit man you had all these people just like taking shots around a bonfire in the middle of a street <laughs> like this is the, I'm like this is We're the most Philadelphia thing I've ever seen <laughs> but, but to me the angle that I view is it is kind of a cool story because, you know, I, I picked against them in both of their playoff games. Me too. Now Same. they're a big underdog in the Super Bowl as well. You know, Nick Foles, you know, who would have thought that Nick freaking Foles, who's been on three different teams in the past three seasons, you know, goes to the Super Bowl and now has a chance to win it? I mean, I don't know if he will. I still think the Patriots probably will. But the fact that they're even here is just pretty crazy to me. All the credit in the world goes to Jeff Fisher. <laughs> but we one one more topic to cover before uh, before we let you go, Tim. I know you're running short on time, but uh, um, Orioles Fan Fest coming up this weekend. Uh, I know Alex is going to be there. Are you going to be there, Tim? I will not. I will uh, not okay. be there. Uh, are you going? I am going. I'm going to be uh, Eric Arditi and I from Barstool Sports. We're going to be putting together a little something, and Alex is going to hop in on the fun too. So we're going to have we're going to have a little bit of fun there. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Fan Fest is fun, even though I don't know how much there is to look forward to. It's not like they're going to make this big announcement or big signing um, from now until Saturday, but <laughs> it's still one of those things that just gets you pumped up for the season. Well, I know, I know. Uh, Eric and I were really excited to talk to Manny because I know Manny's going to be there for for he's scheduled for an yeah. interview. So, uh, so uh, what do you what do you think the biggest takeaway from this weekend is going to be, if anything at all? I know you you said that you're you're not sure how much there's going to be to talk about, but uh, do you think if well, something's there? To me, obviously, the biggest storyline is Manny. I mean, Manny's probably going to be pretty political in talking about what's transpired so far during the offseason with the trade talks and everything, and contra- possible contract extensions, and obviously his impending free agency at the end of the season. But that's my biggest uh, storyline going in is what is he going to react to? You know, what's going on so far this offseason? You know, just with his name thrown out there with seemingly half of the teams in MLB he's been linked to in trade talks. So, you know, he's definitely the biggest storyline by far. I think uh, one thing I'm curious to see is I'd like to hear the reaction from the bullpen uh, uh, regarding last year's you know struggles with the starting rotation because nobody feels that more than the bullpen. Those guys, you know, they they racked up a lot of innings last year. Uh, luckily, nobody really went down with like a you know a terrible injury because they were overused. But you got to think, you know, those guys expect to be coming in the game sixth, seventh inning, not you know second and third inning. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, what how that affected them, their mentality throughout the year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we, we got a full slate of interviews going for Saturday. I mean, you got John Russell, Buck, Buck Showalter, Roger McDowell, pretty much the entire coaching staff. Then starting after 12, you got Scope, Bundy, Trumbo, Caleb Joseph, Brad Brock, a media break, Manny Machado, Trey Mancini, Michael Kelly, Miguel Castro, uh, Jacob Brugman, Tim Beckham, Austin Hayes, Adam Jones, Hunter Harvey, Darren O'Day. Is the ground crew speaking too? <laughs> Might as well be, right? <laughs> Might as well be. Uh, but um, it's going to be a great – I think it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it and just getting back into baseball season, man. Baseball season's right around the corner. So, uh, But, hey, Tim, I wanted to thank you for joining us today, man. You're welcome back hey, anytime. You You're welcome absolutely, back. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Tim. Peace out. All right, man. I'll see you guys. Thanks. See you tomorrow. All right, Tim Barbalese of 105.7 The Fans, Vinny and Haney Show. So we're getting towards the end of our show here, and I know uh, we pretty much burned through all the material, but uh, what are you looking most forward to on Saturday? On Saturday? Uh, well, obviously the Manny Machado storyline's big. Um, I want to talk to Adam Jones. He's interacted with me twice on Twitter both of them have been a little testy, and you know when I reply, he kind of like calmed down a little bit. I, I get that he feels the hostility yeah. from the fan base, so he's got to be hostile back. But what he said a couple months ago on Twitter, where people were asking him a lot of questions about you know the Manny trade talks, and you know if Adam Jones is going to come back next year, what I got from that is he's not completely sold on coming back to Baltimore. So I'd like to talk to him. You know, have him expand some of those. I, I'm gonna, you know, screenshot some of those tweets and bring them back up to him and ask him if I get a chance. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, also, you know, young guys like Chance Cisco, Austin Hayes, uh, uh, Ryan Mountcastle. I, I think those guys are something to look forward to this year because they could be the future, uh, you know, cornerstones mm-hmm. of you know that not only the defense but also on offense. So I'm curious to see if they'll be there and if they're going to talk to the fans, maybe you know get some insight on them. And also Tanner Scott, he throws over 100 miles an hour. I don't know if he's going to be at FanFest, but that dude throws fire. So I, I'm curious to talk to him as well. I'm kind of I'm really uh, excited to talk to Miguel Castro. I'm, I want to see what he thinks he's going to be doing, what his main role is going to be, if if he uh, is going to be kind of elevated to starter or if he's going to maintain or stay in the bullpen, especially after. Uh, the injury to Zach Britton. Yeah. And so they're going to need some help in the bullpen. And I think Tim Beckham will be a fun guy to talk to, too, because he's always a little bit outspoken when it he's comes to He's a cool guy. Time. He uh, We had him in studio on the Scott Garceau show a couple months ago, and he was he was real chill. Uh, you know, he didn't really put up a front where, you know, he's trying to act tough or act some certain way. He seemed real cool. Uh, I played his intro music, and he really liked that. Uh, so <laughs> Fresh, was, So Clean? No, it's not So Fresh, So Clean. It's... Uh, it's a Lil Wayne song. I forgot the name uh, of it. Uh, he's got a couple intro songs, but that's the one he wanted. And he didn't know that I had it, so that was the part <laughs> that he, he heard it, and he's like, oh, shit. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, that brings us to the end of this edition of the Backdoor Sports Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you tune in on Monday when Trevor is back in studio with me. We're going to be having Femi Ayabadejo join us uh, via the phone lines. But, Alex, as always, thank you for joining me, my, pe- my friends. Right, make sure to check out our podcast, The Other Guys, on SoundCloud. Me and Tim. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, guys. Peace out. Here's till Monday.